I hope you had a very Merry Christmas this past Friday. I'm excited to be with you this morning as we kind of finish and wrap up our Christmas time series on the Child of Hope. You know, that's the thing about Christmas, isn't it? It is a season of hope, a season of, of wonder and of dreams, all because the Child of Hope came, a sign that God is here with us now. Now, if you were God and you were going to deliver this birth announcement that your son, your one and only son, this child of hope was to be born, how would you do it? Who would you tell first? Who would maybe you leave off the list of telling and just let them find out whenever they did? How, how would it all work? Well, we're going to dive in and kind of check that out a little bit this morning as we explore together just that iconic Christmas time passage in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Now, just to kind of summarize the story for you, I, I, I know you probably know it well, but uh, Mary and Joseph, they have to return to their town of origin, which is Bethlehem because of imperial rule and the census that's going on. And so Mary, even though she's very pregnant due any day, she goes along with Joseph to Bethlehem. And as you know, the town is overrun. There's so many people. There's no room for them in the end. And so they end up in just a stable, really a cave in those days that was just to provide some shelter for the animals. And it's in that cave where Jesus Christ, God the Son, this child of hope, would be born. Now just imagine for a moment if you're Mary and you're there and there's no doctors, there's no nurses, there's no midwives, not even your mom there to hold the hand of this little frightened teenage girl. The only person there with her is Joseph. And she hadn't been with Joseph like that before. This, this is a big deal. It's a scary time. You know, if she were back in Nazareth where she was living and Joseph were living, if, if they were back there, oh, they would have told all their friends, all their family members, everyone would have come to celebrate this, this birth, the birth of their son. They would, they would be screaming and shouting, presents would be given, it would be exciting. In those days, in fact, it was customary that you would hire musicians to come and celebrate the birth of your firstborn. But here in Bethlehem, it was just a silent night. So, who would get the first birth announcement? Who, who would find out first? You know, if uh, a woman gives birth today, you know how it usually works, right? She'll, she'll give her husband a list of, hey, tell all these people as soon as the baby's born, make sure these people know first. And so then the husband, he has the list and he goes out and he texts, he calls, he makes sure that these people know first. And then after that, what do you do? You put a picture up on Facebook or something and you let everybody else find out that way. Now, if you were God and you were going to make sure, okay, who needs to find out first? Who would you choose? I bet it's not who God chose. Let's go ahead and dive into the story together. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. It reads, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly a great company of heavenly, heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So, isn't it ironic? The first people to hear the good news are shepherds. Angels deliver the birth announcement to shepherds. Now, maybe that doesn't strike you as ironic, but you need to understand that shepherds in those days, I mean, they were as socially detestable as almost you could get. The only people lower on the social ladder in Israel at that time were lepers. I mean, these guys were the outcasts, and they were outcasts because they were always unclean. In fact, according to the Mishnah, the Jewish law, they were considered ceremonially unclean. And that's because they were always touching blood or touching dead animals. They had to work on the Sabbath. I mean, sheep doesn't take, didn't take Saturdays off, so neither could they. These, these guys were always outcasts. And because they were ceremonially unclean, they weren't allowed to come to the temple, much less worship they're, they're always out doing stuff with the sheep. And so they're, they're fighting off wolves. They're delivering lambs. They're doing all these things that shepherds do. In fact, if you or I were to think about who would we want to make sure heard this birth announcement, it wouldn't be shepherds. No, I mean, think about it. If it were you or me, and we were to deliver the birth announcement of God the Son, this child of hope, who would we want to know first? You know, we'd probably put our list together and we'd think of, I don't know, political dignitaries, religious leaders. We'd think of the educated and the powerful, the wealthy and the wise. I mean, these are the people that we would look at. We, we, we would want to go to the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin. We, we'd want to take it to the high priest. We, we'd want to make sure that the angels went over to Caesar Augustus in Rome and let him know. I mean, these are the people that we would have on our list. Now, the last people that we would have on the list are shepherds. Oh, we just let them find out whatever they found out. If they happened to find out at all, that'd be fine. It doesn't really matter. They're shepherds. I mean, shepherds, they didn't even stay in one place. They were a nomadic people, and so they wandered from place to place to place. They, 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 they weren't local anywhere. And so they also had this reputation of being thieves. These were not a trustworthy people. And so they, they had this terrible reputation, so much so that their testimony was invalid in the court of law. You can't trust the shepherd. They're unclean people who are thieves, who roam all about. You can't trust these people. And yet it is the, are these people people that God would deliver this message. So the birth announcement goes to the shepherds. Now, imagine this now from the shepherd's perspective, okay, from their point of view. 
If all of a sudden you get angels coming to you when you're out in the fields and telling you something of God, oh, you know you're going to be afraid because you are the outcast. You're not allowed to go to the temple. You're not allowed to worship. You know this has got to be bad news if angels are coming to talk to you. In fact, angels, they really hadn't come for about 400, 500 years other than when they came to Zechariah and Mary and and Joseph. There hadn't been angels. This is not a normal thing. So if they show up and you're a shepherd, well, you know, it's got to be bad news. And so what do the angels say at first? Don't be afraid. Too late, right? Whenever you hear the phrase, don't be afraid in the Bible, it's almost always too late. You're already afraid. They're trying to calm down the fear. And so the fact that the birth announcement went to shepherds first, it tells us something, doesn't it? That this child of hope really is going to be a hope for the whole world, for everybody, even shepherds. I mean, you think about what Jesus would even do with that term, shepherd. I mean, that term, was it was a lowly, it was a despised term. Nobody grew up and aspired to be a shepherd. Nobody wanted to be a shepherd. Nobody wanted their son to be a shepherd. This, this was a lowly profession. Yet Jesus, he would take this lowly, despised term and he would, he would change it and he would use it. He would say that I am the good shepherd. Peter would call him a shepherd. In Hebrews, he's called the great shepherd. He takes this term and he, and he flips it and he makes it good. Kind of like what he does for all of our lives, isn't it? He, he takes us in our sin when we're stained in our sin. When we're going nowhere. When we have no future. When we have no hope. And he flips it all around, doesn't he? He gives us a hope. He, he gives us a future. In fact, even in the church, he would use that term shepherd and he would call elders, the elders of the church, he would call them shepherds. These people who are to look out, who are to oversee, who are to spiritually nourish the flock, he calls them shepherds. It's amazing, isn't it? Because imagine if you're first century and you're a Christian, you've brand new, you've come to this church and the guy leading you is given this term shepherd. I mean, you've never thought in shepherd in a good way before, but here's how Jesus just flips everything, and you see it, because the birth announcement first went to the shepherds. So the angels tell the shepherds, here's the sign, you'll find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger in a, in a feeding trough. And so the, the, the shepherds, they, they hear this, and they take off, you know, Think about it. If, if Jesus were just some king, some dignitary, if he were some great religious leader, some high priest, I almost wonder if the shepherds would have taken off at all. They, they might have kept their distance, you know, held back. I don't know if I want to approach a king. I don't know if I want to approach some religious leader. I don't, I don't know if I want to go approach some educated man, some wealthy and powerful person. But a baby? Lying in a feeding trough? They're used to feeding troughs, you know. And there's something about a baby, isn't it? That everyone can come, everyone can approach a baby. There's something about a baby. You, you just let your guard down. You, you can laugh a little. There's joy, there's excitement. Everybody feels comfortable in approaching a baby. In fact, most of us are a whole lot more comfortable thinking about Jesus as the baby in a manger than we are the Lion of Judah who will come again to rightly vindicate the name of his father. Yeah, everybody's comfortable approaching a baby. And that's what would happen with Jesus, isn't it? 
yeah, the shepherds would come and then sometime later Persian magi would come and sometime after that you'd have fishermen and tax collectors would come. You'd have religious leaders and political dignitaries. They would come. You'd have the rich and the poor would come. Men and women would come. Jews and Gentiles would come. You see, this child of hope is for all of us. He invites all of us to come, to come and to believe so that we can live lives of hope. This is the good news of Jesus. This is why it's great joy for everybody. And do you see what the shepherds do? They come and they see Jesus. And then what do they do? They go away and they start singing. They're praising God. They're worshiping God. Before that, when the birth announcement was made, there was the choir of angels all singing. And now after the shepherds see Jesus, it's the shepherds who are singing. You know, as we kind of conclude this Christmas season, sometimes we wonder, you know, this season is so special. Why doesn't God just send angels every single year just to play the trumpets and just to sing and to shout all over again that Jesus Christ has come and that he's still here now, the Emmanuel, God with us, still present with us now. Why doesn't he send angels every year to make this announcement every Christmas season? You know, as God, he could do that, but he's chosen to do something different. He's chosen to add more and more musicians to his choir to make it bigger and bigger. So it started with angels and then it extended to shepherds and then it extended to Persian magi. And now it extends to you and me. We're the ones who get to join in the chorus. We get to sing. We get to shout. We get to go. We get to tell the world about a savior who's come, this child of hope, child who grew up to die for us, to save the world from our sin. I hope you know this child of hope. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you bring hope to a weary world. And because of that, God, we can rejoice. We can join in singing with the angels of the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, God, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.